0: You are listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Hallelujah. How many have their keys today? You got your keys? Yeah. I took my church key off of my keychain and got here without that key, the one I really needed. So it happens, right? It happens that we sometimes end up keyless. But in the spirit, we should never be without our keys. And I have a very big key to share with you today. A very big key key to coming into agreement with heaven. These are keys of the kingdom. And that key is gratitude, gratitude, being a people who are thankful, people who acknowledge God's goodness even when it hurts. You see, that's what communion is all about. It's being grateful. And so we're going to today be in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the New Testament. We're gonna be all over the place. Even on the World Wide Web, we're gonna be all over the place. But at the end, there's a message that I'm praying will shine through all of this. And so this morning, we're going to start in the book of Exodus. If you are reading through the Bible according to the plan, you are currently in Exodus. If you're not, there's no shame, there's no guilt. Just get to Exodus as soon as you can. Moses is up on the mountain right now and he wants to come down, okay he doesn't know what he's going to find when he gets down there, folks, does he? You can find out on Tuesday <laughs> what happens to Moses. Okay. So I read this this past week, and a few things just absolutely jumped out at me. So we're going to, we're going to read this, Exodus 12 starting with the 12th verse but we're gonna skip some verses so just I've got it all on the screen if you want to follow along in your own Bible that's fine but I'm just warning you we're gonna skip over some things okay on that night now we're still in Egypt folks in this chapter we're still in Egypt there have been a ton of plagues Pharaoh's heart is hardened each time, but God's about to unleash The final plague and there's some instructions for his people just to give you a little back story So this is it and it's time to get ready to leave but God has some specific instructions for his people before they leave Egypt on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14, this is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. Interesting, remember that. Verse 17, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down these Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Verse 24, remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe the ceremony. Then your children were asked, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. Now what jumps out at you? I discreetly put the words in bold (laughs) that jumped out at me. And it was permanent, for all time, forever, remember, 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 we've had Jewish people in our congregation before, people of Jewish heritage, birth, uh, blood, whatever you want to say. You know, all of us, if you've had your DNA done, you might be 1%. Have a little bit of Jewish in you. I know my mother-in-law is. explains a lot. But she... Explains her kindness her goodness her covenant love for all her kids. Okay, because the the Jews were God's chosen people and they received an amazing covenant from God and Then when Jesus came it says in the book of Romans That we were grafted into this amazing heritage and covenant and we're the spiritual spiritual Israel God took a physical covenant and people and he transformed that through Jesus into spiritual covenant and this is the whole story of the Bible. I'm not going to go through the whole story but this is important. This is really important that we understand this. Um, We've celebrated, we've had a Passover Seder before because there's so much symbolism there. Because it all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. This, what's going on right here, and I'm not going to go into it in in as much depth, depth as I could today, but it is this picture of the blood on the doorway and the death angel and the escape from bondage, the escape from slavery is one of the most powerful, pictures of salvation in the entire Bible it it glares at you in the face when you read this that God had a plan he didn't want his people to stay in bondage he doesn't want us to stay in bondage he sent Jesus and whatever happens to the world to the people who reject him and believe me God did not want to kill the Egyptians But they rejected him time and time and time and time again. God gave them many chances. The patience of God is incredible. God doesn't want to lose a single soul. But it takes Jesus' sacrifice, our acceptance of that, our application of his blood to the door of our heart, to bring us into fellowship with him. That's the plan of salvation. and we believe in that plan. And so we have a picture of this here, and we're not to forget. We're not to forget what God did for us. He saved us from slavery. He slave, saved the people of Israel from Egypt. And he brought them into a new covenant. I'm going to jump to Matthew, and we're going to read a verse we read last year, last week sorry, last week. Matthew 16:19. I think I need just a sip of this. Okay, all better now. Matthew 16:19 in the amplified Bible I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind declare to be improper or unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven that's kinda confusing Um, I read a lot of commentaries I've studied this for many many years I've heard many interpretations of this but there's one I think makes the most sense and applies and in my search for this lo and behold I found a wonderful explanation from a what we would call a messianic or a Jewish believer online and this was from the website of Sid Roth okay now I want you to go with me into the world of the jewish roots of the believer and connie and i have been to many seminars about about this we've taken classes about how our faith ties in with judaism and how many practices of the early church arose from practices of the jewish people and jesus was born into this culture and this A lot of his teaching tied in with teachings of that particular day in the first century so just poke your neighbor and make sure they're still awake okay after all that all right good excellent okay Yeshua how many know this is the actual translation of what we took from the Greek and turned into Jesus okay Yeshua yes good Yeshua, God saves. God saves. That's his name. All right. So instead of Jesus, I'm going to be saying Yeshua. Hopefully nobody has an issue with that. If you do, we'll have prayer later. Okay. Yeshua acting as a rabbi. How many know Jesus was a rabbi? How many know what rabbi means? Teacher? Yeah. Okay. Okay holy man. He usually had a few people traveling with him that studied with him. We call them disciples. They called them Talmudim. Boy, Pastor, you're going deep here. Well, just go with me. Okay, we'll come back out. I promise. I'll, 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 I'll let you come up for air. Yeshua acting as a rabbi was continually bringing a reassessment of correct Torah interpretation how many know what Torah is Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy it was the basis of the Jewish teaching and uh, It's translated in English many times as law, but the actual word means instructions or teaching doesn't that sound better Don't you like instructions more than you like laws? Either one is okay, depending on which side of it you are on. Okay, I think I've gone out of my way to explain all these terms. So, Yeshua, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay. Yeshua, acting as a rabbi, was continually bringing a reassessment of, and I was going to read this last week, but we just ran out of time. Okay, and it really fit in better with this week okay would you just read it yes okay Yeshua (laughs) acting as a rabbi was continually bringing a reassessment of correct Torah interpretation most of his teachings were to correct erroneous understandings of what God originally meant when he gave Israel the Torah instructions now Yeshua was conferring upon Peter and the others the authority to permit or forbid to make decisions on issues as he would have by the Spirit of God. This is an important point. What the rabbis would decide, the rabbis of his day, what they would decide based on their scholastic reasoning and familiarity with the Torah, the Spirit-filled believers would know by the Spirit... You can read Torah as information or you can perceive the mind of the Spirit in reading the Torah. This is powerful stuff. The Spirit-filled believers would know by the Spirit. The believers didn't have to follow hundreds of added rules to try and avoid offending God. Yeshua had paid the price to release them from that fear of God's displeasure. They were free from the rigidity of legalism Those rules which were added to the Torah, you see, again, a little history. The rabbis over the centuries had taken those five books and added to them commentaries and teachings and rules and regulations. And it had just gone to what we would consider ridiculous levels of regulations they would have to live by. And a lot of this you read in the Gospels about Jesus. He confronted, he's like saying, no, this is what God really meant when he said this. And they're like, no, but you're not following our rules. We have added rules to the rules. And we still do that today. Okay. Where were we? They were free from the rigidity of legalism, those rules which were added to the Torah, and were functioning by the spirit of holiness. Do you realize what an incredible power that is? These men were certainly not rabbis or scholars or Pharisees or scribes or Torah teachers. We're talking about the disciples. They were fishermen and a tax collector, for heaven's sake. And Yeshua is giving them that kind of authority? Question mark. They were completely outside of the hierarchical religious system. But to them he releases the power and authority to make decisions that he says heaven would back up because they would be entirely in tandem with God. These decisions would affect thousands, even millions of lives, even us today in fact. That's how assured Yeshua was that his followers would be entirely in tune with the will of God through his Holy Spirit so that he could trust them with that kind of authority. His followers would be so one with him and his father that they would be the expressions of God's will as he had been. So it was the job of the rabbi to either bind someone to the Torah, saying, this rule, you are bound to this because of the law. Or they could loose someone from the law in a certain way. Situation. They had the power to bind and loose, but it was based on their tradition. Now, Peter and the disciples, under the authority of Jesus, would take the law, the Torah, the rules, the regulations, and they would revolutionize the teaching of those believers who once were bound by all the rules and the regulations of the law. They would decide what was legal and what was illegal, according to God, which was a revolution. Now, the whole New Testament confronts this head-on. We have some verses here. Colossians 2, 16. So don't let anyone contemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, Colossians 2.16. Because at that time, if you didn't follow a certain feast, now this addresses why we're not celebrating Passover the way they did, even though it was a for all time festival. okay you don't have to follow the feasts that are there you should celebrate their fulfillment in Jesus Christ but we don't that's this is why we don't now it's okay if you do I think it's beautiful people fly from all over the world to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles it's a powerful thing I believe they're very much in the spirit but we don't have to you can if you want again you have freedom acts twenty one twenty five as for the gentile believers these are people that are coming in non-jewish people that are believing in jesus christ (gasps) what do we do with these people it's kinda like when all the hippies got saved in the seventies uh-oh what do we do with all these people besides give them a haircut (laughs) thou shalt not have hair over the top of thine ear (laughs) i went to a school we had to get a haircut we couldn't go to school without a haircut you were living in sin Okay. What do we do? Well, they had a big council. They decided what these guys needed to do. As for the Gentile, the non-Jewish believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, or from sexual immorality. So we're just going to narrow down all the laws of Moses to these four things. Now, there were reasons in their culture why they included those things. The food offered idols. But if you want to read further, and I suggest you do, go to Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8 for further instruction. And Paul says, you can eat meat that was offered to idols if your conscience isn't seared by that but keep in mind that you may be going to church with someone that has a major issue with meat offered to idols as a matter of fact you might be sitting next to someone that has a major issue with meat they don't eat meat and they don't eat it as unto the Lord and that's a holy thing for them you have to love and respect them but what you do you need to do in a clear conscience before god and get to the heart of why he's asking us to do these things am i making sense this is advanced this is beyond new believers class okay and yet it is kinda new believers class what are the do's and don'ts and we're going somewhere with this. All right. And certainly read Galatians 3, the letter, of the he- the t- the letter to the Hebrews. It's, it's Jesus fulfills the law. OK. So today, we're going to celebrate Passover. Aren't you excited? We get to celebrate Passover. Now, we're not going to have the bitter herbs, the salty water. Thank God. We're going to have crackers instead of matzo bread. Even though I like having matzo bread for communion, but it's not a law. All right, there's a lot of powerful symbolism there. We're going to have grape juice. It's What we have, we're going to celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, because we know that he was the Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God, John the Baptist said, who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation, worthy is the lamb. Again, the powerful symbolism here. What did they have to eat, partake of, take into themselves after taking the blood of the lamb and applying it to their doorpost they were to consume that lamb that was the Passover meal honestly the symbolism here is so incredibly powerful and Jesus sat there with the disciples At the Passover meal I get excited about this stuff I'm sorry if I'm getting too excited here today about this stuff but it's exciting to me how God had a plan and it may have taken him thousands of years God's not in any hurry to unfold his plans But when they were consuming that lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost and getting ready to leave slavery, God in heaven is looking for that day when he would set you and I free. That's powerful. The symbolism is so amazing. So Jesus, on the night... The timing of God. On the night everyone was celebrating the Passover and taking their lamb and having this meal together and saying, remember what God did for us. On that very night, Jesus is saying, I am your deliverance. This is a new covenant I'm making with you. This bread is my body. This cup is my blood. And the next day, he does it. It's Passover. Isn't that amazing? Who could have planned that? These words were already written hundreds of years before, and then Jesus came to fulfill them. (laughs) That has to be God. Jesus said in Matthew 5 17, we're going to skip down a couple slides here. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. That word in Greek pleuro, means to fulfill, to complete, to bring to capacity. Everything that was written was written about me and I am What was written about I am the word Jesus declared it That's exciting So what do we do with all this okay, so binding and loosing? the disciples from that point on and and I know this is used a lot for spiritual warfare, and that's not entirely wrong we have authority We can stop the enemy. (laughs) Yeah? We can release the spirit of God into the atmosphere. This is good. We need to be doing that. But a more accurate translation of this actually is what we are in tune with heaven about, how we live our lives, how the law applies. We could get into all kinds of things here. I would love to maybe next week. What's right? What's wrong? What's good conscience? What's God conscience? Can Reese be saved and not have shoes on in church? The answer, well, he says yes, but what if I think that God says, thou shalt wear shoes in church, and I'm wearing shoes under the Lord? It might be a sin for me to take my shoes off in church. But it's not a, Connie said it is a sin for you to take shoes off in church because she washes my socks. All right. Thank you, honey. That was real good. What do we do with all this? Three things. Three keys. Don't you love it when I just tell you this is a key? Three keys to better living. Okay, number one. Know the word. Know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Guys, I'm I'm setting you up. Because tomorrow, if you're reading through your Bible, you're going to get into some rules and regulations about holes in the ground, oxen, eyes, teeth, people that get into fights, people that kill people on purpose, people who kill people by accident. The basis of our legal system. Look at it that way and you'll find it interesting. And if you don't find it interesting, pour an extra cup of coffee and read it anyway. Because I used to skip over this stuff, but now it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Leviticus. Come to my seminar. Leviticus can be fascinating to you. (laughs) And if you can get through this short little section of law before all the excitement of the golden calf, because that's a pretty dramatic story, there's a lot of drama there. We like the Bible when there's a lot of drama. Samson and Delilah, David and Bathsheba. But you gotta read through a lot of other stuff to get to those exciting parts. So know the word of God. That's why we're reading through the Bible. And if you're behind on your reading, no shame. Just either pencil yourself an afternoon and get caught up. Or just jump to Exodus and get get on board and think about it next year, okay? We're a place of grace god's good you know don't give up on your spiritual life just because you're a few days behind or never started okay but this is why we read the bible so we can know what god is saying know the word and again jesus came he's the word by reading all these things we're finding out about god we're finding out about his son that should be exciting to you if it's not exciting to you WE WILL LAY HANDS ON YOU AND PRAY FOR HOLY GHOST EXCITEMENT TO JITTER THROUGH YOUR ENTIRE BODY. I, THAT COULD HAPPEN. OKAY? I HAD EXPERIENCE WITH GOD BETWEEN MY JUNIOR AND SENIOR HIGH SCHOOL YEAR. GOD TOUCHED ME AND THE BIBLE BECAME THE MOST FASCINATING BOOK I'D EVER READ AND THAT WAS A MIRACLE. SO DON'T GIVE UP HOPE. GOD CAN DO IT ANY WAY HE WANTS. All right, testimony time is over. Number two, don't just know the word. Know the spirit behind the word. God's spirit is powerful, and He, he's in you, and he's around you, and he's shining his light on the word, and it's exciting to me. And just the spirit, the word without the spirit is dry facts. We're not reading this stuff just to be factual. Well, actually, that wasn't Jeremiah. That was Hezekiah. And you know what? This is people for years have argued over stuff that may or may not matter. What matters right now is that you're in tune with the Spirit of God. That's really important. So know the Spirit of God. How do you know the Spirit? By reading the Word. By fellowshipping. By yielding your heart every day. By praying. By getting prayed for. There's, I'd like to give you three keys to knowing the Spirit. Just, you know, have Cole and Lisa lay hands on you. Honestly, there's a scriptural tradition for Paul laid hands on Timothy and passed on some things. There's, it's called impartation, okay? I'm not building a church just on that, but it's, it's a thing. It's in the New Testament. Okay, know the spirit. Have a hunger, you know? Have, have a hunger for the things of God. If you don't have one, you can ask for one. Okay. Number three, very important. Know that as a believer, you are in partnership with heaven. You're in partnership with heaven and live your life that way. On earth as it is in heaven. Binding and loosing. Coming into agreement with what heaven says. Another way Another key is to just be thankful, gratitude. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for other believers in my life. Being thankful. And as we receive communion today, which sounds like such a ritual, I will say it again as I have been saying for 18 years, this should not be a ritual to us. This is a living experience and encounter with God and acknowledgement that Jesus paid it all and we were slaves once we were in bondage once now we are free and we can live in freedom because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that's what we're celebrating this morning so let's uh, stand up together let's get the kids And uh, it's good for you to explain this to your children so they don't think it's just a ritual. That's part of the Passover tradition. It says, So when your children ask, you can tell them. We were slaves in Egypt, but God set us free. Thank you, Lord. The Word of God tells us to prepare our hearts before we receive. So, as, as the deacons are getting the elements ready, let's just go before the throne of heaven, open our hearts to Him. Lord, we just thank you today for your presence. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for what you're speaking in this day and in this hour. God, we just thank you that we can come to your table we can come to your table and we can receive of you and we can do this to remember you. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. First Corinthians 11:23 and 24, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And so we're fulfilling the Passover. We're fulfilling and celebrating the completion that Jesus brought to the laws that God handed down to his people.